Craft Beer Radio, episode 56, October 18th, 2006. Craft Beer Radio, the show for craft beer and the craft brewing industry. This is Jeff Bear. I'm Greg Weiss. And this week, we're going to be, do our best to be patriotic. <laughs> we are this tasting, patriotic the Sam Adams way. Yes, we got the Brewers Patriot 4-pack here, and which I believe Rick tasted on his show a couple uh, weeks ago, a month ago. And we're going to give him a try ourselves. So let's see, we got the George Washington Porter, the traditional honey ginger ale, the 1790 hard root beer, and the other one's what Thomas Jefferson's dark wheat ale. Dark wheat ale. Well, we should probably go with the wheat ale because I, well, I don't know. I mean, they say it's going to be flavorful. I'm just trying to think of you know small flavors to big flavors. Uh, yeah, honey ginger is probably first. One. Okay, honey ginger. We will go with the traditional honey ginger ale. Are these available, by the way? I believe so. I think yeah. you can find them. I haven't seen them around here in Pennsylvania because you don't get sick. Excuse me, you don't get six packs, but I'm sure other places they come in a little cardboard box or neat old timey packaging. <laughs> old timey. Well, we hope these are good. These got um, a little bit, may have gotten a little bit oxidized. Yeah, from my little uh, fridge snafu, <laughs> blunder, disaster, whichever you want to call it. That was where the fridge door popped open. It was probably open for about 24 hours before I realized that I had some. Uh, Bottles on the top shelf by the light bulb. Some of them got quite warm. One of them was a homebrew that exploded. <laughs> Made quite the mess. This is the traditional ginger honey ale, 5.5% alcohol by volume. And man, the first thing you smell is ginger and honey. I mean, it really comes out. It smells like a dogfish head beer, doesn't it? <laughs> uh, from the ginger crazy. <laughs> That's awesome. It smells more like real ginger. Than like anything I've ever had in a beer. I mean, it smells like the stuff sitting beside your sushi right there. I mean, yeah, it, it smells like yeah. You cracked open. It doesn't. I guess not quite as intense as if you crack open actual ginger and put it up right. to your to your nose. It's but it's pretty close. Really ta- there's some you know the really tangy ginger there. It's not just like the sweet part of the smell. There's a lot of like. Well, I think the honey is contributing to the, some of that tang. It's a it's a lovely smell there, and the beer looks. Uh, it's kind of a. Mm, Straw? Straw. Cloudy straw. Cloudy straw. Yeah, Jeff is much better at describing colors than I am. It's brown. <laughs> it uh, has a uh, thin head, just barely covering the beer. It's certainly smooth. It's uh, there's there's a distinct honey flavor, which I you know you'd expect that of honey yeah. ginger. The honey when it ferments out and you get it in meads. Let's see how can I describe this flavor? It's a. Um, First, I hate starting off with a metaphor, but it's like this sliding flavor where it's um, kind of like a cold, it's cold tasting, actually. It's kind of, it has like a, I don't know if it's because of that kind of a cold, like from a mint type thing. Now, obviously, honey doesn't have mint. No, but but I I see what you're saying. There's kind of almost a highlight of of mint. Maybe it's an after effect of after it's on your tongue. I I like the sliding metaphor because it does sort of slide, the flavor just kind of slowly graduates up your tongue. That's what it feels the, like it's um, sliding. I've you know, never really noticed that as a honey flavor before, but now that I've had this and I remember back to other honey-based, honey beers, it's that, yeah, it's a certain flavor. It's 
It's almost like a, a cold twinge like a mint gives you. Yeah, and I think the ginger is necessary here because what the ginger does is it kind of brightens the honey up, mm-hmm. uh, especially right down the center. You can kind of feel the ginger drawing all the sweetness of the honey in, and it brightens it up and, and allows it to kind of to burst, a sort of bursting flavor. Okay. Got a uh, just a little bit of business this week. I want to thank some people for some uh, beer deliveries. DP from Georgia sent us a bunch of beer. All DP. the bottles are labeled, so great. And uh, also, Boulevard Brewing Company sent us some beer. Excellent. So we're gonna get to try some Boulevard beers. They're out of Kansas City, and they don't come here. So he sent us some beer. Um, he was the guy that was asking us. To, they do a little magazine or something, uh-huh. and he was doing a story on us. Remember that? Yeah. So he sent. We never did get a picture well. to him, did we? No, because we. <laughs> We went to the Sharp yeah. Edge one week, and then I forgot the second week. We're off the third week, so yeah, it was a big snafu. So he is just going to have a run our logo. <laughs> but yeah, if you live in the Kansas City area, check out that Boulevard magazine, and there'll be a little story about us in it. I wonder if we can see a copy of that, too. I think he said, I think he said he's going to send us one. Excellent. See, uh, they say about traditional ginger honey, honey ale. Well, actually, let's go on to a, to a news item or an email first, and then we can get in this, because we have a lot of stuff. I don't know how you can get in contact with us. Oh, you can... Uh, Contact us by, well, you can certainly send us an email if you would like. Yes, that's beer at craftbeerradio.com. You can leave a comment on our website, craftbeerradio.com. Mm-hmm. On our website, there's a link to our Frapper map. And yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, I would actually, instead of Podcast Alley, maybe uh, if people could subscribe to us in iTunes if they listen to us. It just, it may be even, you know, write a review for us in iTunes. Hey. Since a lot of people. Or relist us on. Yeah. <laughs> oh, there's a funny story. We got delisted from Wikipedia yesterday. They oh, no. They, they, yeah, I mean, I, I sort of understand why we got delisted. And, and uh, You need to read, okay. read the notability rules. You'll see that it really didn't fit in. Yeah. So, yeah, but we're no longer on Wikipedia. <laughs> Start your own Wikipedia and write an article all about us. Yeah, that's what you can do. Beerpedia. iTunes is, I think, a good way to, to get us some extra not- notability because... So many people who are podcasting, looking at podcasts, look in iTunes. So if we get a few right. reviews, that'd be nice. It just yeah. sort of will raise our ranking a bit. Okay, sounds good to me. Maybe I'll have to install iTunes and go look at it again. It's been like six months so I've even looked at it. Yeah, it hasn't really changed that much. Okay. Uh, let's see, Tim writes, I love your show. You guys inspired me to try all different kinds of beers. I never would have. That's ideally what we're going for, so that's great, Tim. Thanks a lot. Uh most of them are great, some of them not so great, which leads me to my question. Have you guys come across a beer-tasting database application? I hate buying a beer that I can't remember not liking, so uh, I would like a way to track it. Yeah, there's a couple different things. You could use a website like Beer Advocate mm-hmm. or Rate Beer to re- do reviews and use that as your um, database. But does that have like a database you can look and say, did I like this beer? And yeah, you can go through and read all the beers, you re- look at all the beers you reviewed. And those would be the ones you've tasted. You'd have to write mm-hmm. a little review for each one. Uh, rate beer requires less verbiage about the right. beer. So if you want something that's more of a, just a checklist, you could use that. I know there's a Palm-based little database. Forget what it's called, but it's like BeerDB or something like that that runs on your Palm Pilot. So you could use something like that. I'm sure there's Pocket PC ones and other PDA-type you wanna, programs. You want to find a way to do it without looking too geeky and pulling out your Palm Pilot at the bar and right. checking out, I think I like this beer. Yeah, you know, I know, like, uh, my old neighbor Bob, he keeps a spreadsheet on his computer of all the beers he's tasted. I don't keep any real official list. Yeah. I, I can remember most of them, and if I forget one, 
<laughs> I I keep yeah just a, a general sort of checklist in my head. I know what beers I've tried. At some point, we're probably going to be forgetting a lot of yeah, beers. I, I know what beers I've tried for the most part. I although I do get confused sometimes. Like maybe if I tried something similar, or if I've right. tried something that's from the same company but not the same brewer, but not. Uh, yeah, I mean, you build up a lot of different associations when you really get to know the brewers and the brands of beer. At least for me, you know, you think of. Okay, Sam Adams, and there's these yeah. beers, and you know what they have, you know what you've had. And- it is hard sometimes to remember specifics, but the thing is, if you go around running specifics for every single beer you'd, you'd, you've tried, it just gets to be too much of a. Do you, pain, do you want it to be fun or work? You know, yeah. I mean, we're the ones who turn drinking beer into work. You guys should keep it fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about the beer, by the way, the traditional ginger ale. Uh, this is an authentic brew that can be traced back to the ginger brews of the late 1700s. Records show that Thomas Jefferson and his wife brewed 15 gallons of ginger beer with fresh lemons and honey every two weeks for daily consumption. Lemon. Oh, yeah. You know, it's there. It's definitely there. I wouldn't have picked it out without it being here, but I definitely taste it. Well, yeah, you get a little bit of lemon peel like you would from, like, a wit beer. Mm-hmm. It's, it's definitely there. I mean, it's weird that I didn't pick it. You know, we didn't come with it, but mm-hmm. now that it's mentioned, I can definitely taste it in here. It's sort of on the sides. Following that tradition, Samuel Adams' traditional ginger honey ale is a highly effervescent beer that is brewed with authentic ingredients in the colonial era, such as fresh ginger, lemon peel, and wildflower honey. Uh, pale golden color. Well, marketing speak, marketing, yeah, speak, marketing speak, speak, speak. Perfect for spicy foods. Recommend pairing it with glazed honey ham, Chinese sparrows, or baklava. I can see it going with like glazed ham, like a yeah. sweet. That'd be good. Jefferson used lemons because scurvy was a big concern in those days, and in using lemons, he could get vitamin C into their diets. Ginger was also important because in those days, food would spoil and water was tainted. Ginger calmed their stomachs and took away their nausea. Now, the the, the ginger in this one, as I keep drinking it, is starting to get a little, a little over. Powering, and I think that ginger will do that. The more you drink ginger, the the, the more it kind of slowly builds. Okay. So I wouldn't want to drink more than really one of these, but I right. think it's a good thing to you know have every once in a while. I'm certainly not nauseated. No. <laughs> Tika posted a comment on our website. He uh, he's listening to some back issues and was listening to the Whitbeer episode, and um, he made a little comment about us pronouncing Hoogarden incorrectly. Right to then incorrectly. Yeah. Well, we called it then. I think we called it a whole garden on the show. He said we weren't sure whether it was who garden or whole garden, and so we just said. He had an interesting garden. comment, however. Um, you might have seen the news that Imbev is moving the brewing operations of Ho Garden from their initial city, which is is Hogard. Uh, I'm not sure. Hogard to another town, and they had to cancel them or postpone the move for two months because the Ho Garden that was brewed at the new location was too dark and sour. That's kind of weird because they don't use. Uh, they don't have uh, open air fermenting there or anything, do they? No, no, not for that size operation. But uh, different water chemistry, that's probably the main thing. Did they didn't ship the water and they just decided to use the... Well, I guess... Can't really ship that much water. Well, from... if, you, if you're an international beer like, like Hogarden is, I would expect you have some considerable control over what you're putting in. Well, they're still fine-tuning so... the, the new formula. You know, they probably did have to change formula minutely. Boy, I had a problem saying that. Um, Because you want the same outcome, but you have different inputs now. Right. The brewing system 
might the not be the system, same. Certainly, I can see how that might be different. The water, the you would figure they'd have the same ingredients because it's yeah. the same country. I mean, it's not to, that far away. And if you're doing something like that, you have to yeah, you have to ship in the water. If you're doing something that larger scale, I think you have to ship in the water. A lot of times, you I can think, treat water. You can start. You can have some, mix in some distilled to take down some of the minerals. You well, can as long as you can maintain minerals. it with the you know you get the same pH and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Then, but then the water chemistry really shouldn't alter it that much. No, it shouldn't. But there's something different and. So it was an interesting story, or little comment there. So thanks, Tika. Tom wanted to mention some stuff about Anheuser-Busch. He worked for them this summer at the New Hampshire plant he was labeling. And Jeff complained about not seeing enough on the tour. Well, he worked there. He never even saw the brew house. So didn't even show their employees anything. <laughs> Speaking of Anheuser-Busch and the big breweries, uh, Darren Rohde, who's listening to an old show as well, and um, I made the comment where if anyone has seen things where the big brewers are do actively doing things to hurt the small breweries to push them off taps to let us know. And this is a, a kind of a scary story, a kind of illegal story, yeah. and uh, quite interesting. A couple years ago, my wife and I were on vacation and stopped in Cooperstown, New York, at Cooperstown Brewing Company. One of the owners told me some of the experiences he had with the big three. He said that there was a well-known tap handle bounty. It worked like this. When a delivery person from one of the big three... He would not specify which brand. Stopped by a bar, usually in the afternoon to restock. They would offer the daytime bartender up to $200 for a tap handle of a competing brew. The bartender, willing to accept some spare cash, would sell the tap handle. We all know that if a tap handle is not visible, no one's going to buy the beer. That um, sounds like uh, thievery. It, it, yeah, it sounds like thievery. It, it, it's very illegal. Uh, but this and the next story that he's going to tell also don't necessarily. I don't think that the big brewers would do that just because it really is illegal. But I think that I wouldn't put it past a distributor to do that. Yeah. A distributor who makes a lot of their money on the big three. Yeah, I wouldn't put it past. Yeah, them to I do can that. see it being originated at the distributors. I couldn't see the brewers yeah. actually doing that. And you would think the big three would be cannibalizing each other yeah. and not going paying two hundred dollars for. You know, Joe's home brewery tap handle, but who knows? The owner also told us that when they would stop at a local grocery store to see how their beer was selling, frequently they found their craft beers moved to the storage area in the back or underneath an elaborate stack of mega brews. Since many craft beers spoil sooner than mega brews, well, I guess since they're bottle conditioned. Right, well, they're not pasteurized. Not pasteurized, right. You, the result would either be a customer getting outdated craft beer uh of the craft brewer having to accept unsold beer, old beer. Shelf base is at a premium, and I personally have seen Anderson Bush take up way too much space at the local stores by offering shirts, hats, and other goodies, even trips to the store manager. Uh, now, this I can believe, you know, this one makes more sense to me. This, this sounds more like the way a corporate place will operate by mm-hmm. trying to get as much shelf space as possible. And that's certainly um, the way marketing works is you want to get eyeballs. Right. Uh, and, so, you know, the, these brands do sell better. Than craft beers, and so they're going to push more, and so they're going to, they're, the store owners are going to want to give them. The store owner is going to give them yeah. the percentage of space of the beer revenue they make, right? right. So if they sell seventy percent macro beer, then seventy percent of the space right. should be macro beer. Right? Now a good distributor like say Vicini's will also has craft beer on their lists mm-hmm. too, and they want to distribute that as well. So they're going to go out and and they're going to try to promote their craft beer as well as the main beer right so i mean that's just that's just business now them giving tidbits that you know extra goodies and tchotchkes to push stuff out of the way it's kind of bad business but 
Yeah. Uh, it's still business. A manager shouldn't... I don't know. It's hard to say. I mean, I don't run a store, so... I I, find, I really find it hard to blame the big three for the first one, because I think that's not that's not their doing, and I don't think that's their directive. The second one, I think, is pretty much in within their capability and within their desire to do, so I think that's something that, yeah, you do have to watch for. That 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 is, in terms of taking up shelf space, that is probably where it hits craft beer the hardest. I mean, stealing tap panels, that's like stealing kegs. Yeah. You know, you know, like I'm thinking of like small breweries, you know, they pay for that stuff. You know, a lot of small breweries, the cooperage, the, the barrels, that's a large percentage of their investment. Mm-hmm. You know, probably the biggest thing aside from the brew house and the ingredients is it's the barrels. And um, can you imagine if it went a little bit farther and, and distributors were stealing barrels? <laughs> if you're ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. So if they were happening, it happening, that that's absurd. And. Well, we we certainly can't support that at no. all, and you know, not like we support the second one, but I mean, that's just that's economics. Yeah. Nick writes another good show, but I noticed you dispense with the opening and closing music. It took me a second to realize that the show felt different because of it. It makes it easier for you to produce a show without an okay, but all things equal, the show sounds a lot better with an opening and closing. Specifically, by better, I mean it sounds more polished, more professional, and overall smoother. Yes, we agree. We just we messed up. The, uh, I um. I was in North Carolina last week. I wanted to edit the show on the flight down. I installed Audition on my work laptop and everything. Forgot to bring, forgot to put the show on the laptop. So I'm on the airplane, nothing to do. So I get down there. I start downloading the show from my home computer down there. And I was editing it. And I'm like, oh, crap. No music. I'm like, do I put the show up without the music? Or do I download the music and edit it? And I'm like, I'm just putting the show up. So... <laughs> It'll be a very. How long would it take taking you to download the music and put it up? Been a fair amount more work, yeah. so I just decided to put up the show as it is, one time only type thing. Okay. I don't think we've lost any listeners with that. I, I hope not. I hope not. If if you're not listening anymore because of that, tell us. <laughs> <laughs> Send us an email. Our next beer is going to be the James Madison Dark Wheat Ale. I figure. Yeah, it's probably a good choice. This is... I don't have information on alcohol on this one. No, they only had alcohol for two of the beers. So this one could be 12 for all we know. I, I hope not. <laughs> but it could be. Payas tribute to Madison, who found brewing so important that he considered a proposal for a national brewery in Washington, D.C. I'm sure they would have made great beer. Yeah. <laughs> American Brewing Company. Go with the government cheese. Well, this vision never came to fruition. The brewers at Sam Adams are honoring his passion by creating the James Madison Dark Wheat Ale. By dark, they mean very cloudy, like a wheat beer would be. And the color's kind of hard to pick up with the cloudiness. I mean, it's brown, but let's see. Kind of burnt umber. If you remember your your Crayolas, right. that's kind of you know, it's darker than maple, so that wouldn't work. So yeah, let's go with burnt umber. <laughs> Definitely smelling a, a a weedy 
uh, roastiness. It's kind of it doesn't have nearly as much aroma as the last one, so it's. Ooh, that that dark wheat gives it a bit of a, a toasty, toffee, smoky yeah. something. So there's um there's a some kind of maybe it's maybe it's prunish sort of flavor. Yeah, yeah there's prunes. It's interesting. It's yeah. really unique. I guess if it's unique, it's either unique or not unique. <laughs> it can't be really unique, can it? Just like an all-new. It's an all-new episode of Crafty Radio. Well, it's new. <laughs> <laughs> it's half new. <laughs> Americans had trouble growing barley. It doesn't grow that well in the eastern U.S. Wheat grew, and rye grew well. Mm-hmm. Barley just didn't grow well. This is why you see lots of substitutes and adjuncts in beers at the time. Back then, the smoke flavor was not desired, but a result that could not be avoided because of the way malted, they malted the barley. Yeah, like you said, there's definitely a smokiness there, and kind of a, a dark... Hmm, I don't know, dark is not a good word. Uh, uh, is that flavor? There, there's a, a sweet maltiness that hits, and then it kind of goes into sort of a sweet fruity that is reminiscent of, of prunish or... Um, It'd be a little bit fresher than prunes, you know, a little bit uh, brighter than prunes. I haven't had very many dark wheat beers. Have you had any? Like prunes are what? Prunes are, um, they're dried, uh, plums. Plums, yeah. Uh, have you had the. So maybe um, it's plum, but no, I guess it's more prunish. Okay. (laughs) Done yet? (laughs) I don't know. It's. it's (laughs) Have you had any other uh, dark wheat beers, like a Francis Connor dark Mm -hmm. wheat? Mm Because I haven't had it. How's that compared to. It's, um, not quite as fruity. There's more fruit okay. here. Like I've had the, their uh, uh, the Schwarzweiss and um, or the Ducalweiss rather, and yeah. it's uh, it's more malty, but it's not quite as fruity. And then the kind of fruity aftertones that this okay. one has. There's a certain uh, oh, there it is. Dates. Ah. Does it have dates or just the taste flavor of dates? The flavor of dates. Okay. Yeah, I, I would say, yeah, dates. I was looking for something that wasn't quite a prune, but okay, not quite a plum. They say the beer pairs perfectly with grilled chicken, salmon, swordfish, or bread pudding. Hmm. I love me some bread pudding. Mm, bread pudding. In the latest oh, news. Did you, did you read this? I didn't know this. To ensure authenticity, brewers at St. Adams hand-smoked the malt. With red and white oak from Forest and Orange County, Virginia, a land once owned by James Madison. Really? Hmm. What is what James Madison himself would have used to smoke the grain? So it is smoked grain, so that's kind of some of that flavor that we're getting in there. Yeah, it's definitely, it's really interesting. St. Adams keeps expanding their... um, they're offering, you know, they're getting more dogfish-like, don't you think? I mean, doing some of these beers that are I, I historical really, recreations and just interesting things. I, I, I just got to give these guys at St. Adams a lot of credit because there's so many, 
There's so many beer companies, I think, who uh, may be necess- maybe kind of focusing a little bit too much on one or two different beers. And Sam Adams is just, they're, they're going crazy with as many beers as they can. They're trying to highlight as many as they can in there. You know, they have, they have commercials where they're showing all 18 of their beers, and they're, they're not you know, just you know, shoving out two or three and saying, these are the ones you need to drink. Yeah, the, the past year, we've mentioned this before, they really jumped into advertising to craft beer and, and, and advertising themselves and the whole industry. Yeah. Before, they had those commercials, the bad ones we talked about. Yeah. And uh, we've talked about all that, so let's not waste time. Rick sent us an email, just a tip. If you want to do a good cheese tasting with blue cheese, plan for a barley wine to accompany it. But do not try this with blue cheese with hoppy American style of barley wines. Makes sense. There's a couple of news stories. Uh, we get uh, some press releases of new beers coming out. And I figure I don't necessarily want to go into the thing, but announce that there's a new beer from people who may be nearby. Okay, sure thing. Uh, Magic Hat is uh, their Roxy Rolls, which is a, a cold weather season. They call it a season ale, so I imagine it's sort of a, more of a season. Oh, that's one where they asked the, told us to test drive the, the yeah. beer, right? Because it's a Rolls. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And uh, Great Lakes is releasing their Christmas ale. It's now on tap. And Miller, Miller Brewing Company, has released a uh, Frederick Miller Classic Chocolate Lager. My mother sent me uh, a link to this, and she said, um, beer with chocolate? And I said, well, you know, I, I just, I showed you the Edmund Fitzgerald that has, you know, chocolate malt. And not only that, I, get, I mentioned like three different beers that have chocolate in the name. And I said, it's, it's not something crazy, but it's been right. around for a long time. So, the, um, For those who don't have it, don't live in the Midwest, the Great Lakes Christmas Ale is a very interesting beer. It's one of those ones that's spiced crazy, like the uh, the Anchor Merry Christmas Happy New Year is. Uh, if you ever get an opportunity to try it, and you don't mind eating a Christmas tree, you can give it a try. <laughs> it's, it's more of a cinnamon tree, but it's a it's a really interesting beer. I try it at least once every year because it's just it's a it's a different taste experience for sure. I also I saw this article on. Uh, Tyrania Brewery in Madison, Wisconsin. I think it's Ty- Tyran- Tyranina Brewery. I just I love the name of these. They have it's their Brewers Gone Wild series. Uh, oh, their first one is called Hop Whore. <laughs> no, their latest one is Hop Whore, which is an Imperial IPA. Uh, there's also a Spank Me Baby, which is a high, high alcohol barley wine due out at the end of November. I'm surprised they uh, got Hop War past the, the yeah. label approval. But, I mean, Hop War was <laughs> such a ridiculous name, I had to put that down. <laughs> it's a great name, though. Okay, that's all the news. So what do you think about this um, James Madison Dark Weed Ale from Samuel Adams, the Brewer Patriot Collection? Not it's every day you get to have smoked yeah, meat in a beer. Yeah, it's definitely really interesting. It's it's one of those that's not an everyday beer type of thing. It's not a uh, it's not a, a, a drink a couple beer type thing. It's definitely one you want to you know appreciate for what it is, but also th- I think that the style and and the the flavors that come out of it are a little different from. I don't want to I don't want to put it like that. There, there's there's only a small st- spectrum of, of things that are. Mm-hmm. What, what we consider beer, but it doesn't feel as drinkable as other yeah, beers. I, mean, I think this whole four pack is designed to taste like this to yeah. try different beers, flavors you normally don't get. I, I couldn't really see many people buying a case of any of the ones in here, 
but but we'll see. Maybe the next one will be the maybe yeah. Next one's a porter that's you know not too oddball like these like smoked wheat mm. or honey gingers. So yeah, but it really is. It's very interesting to try. And I like I said we got to give Sam Adams a lot of props just for just for having the really having the balls to play around like this. Na- mm-hmm. a, a nationwide thing. They just you know we're gonna we're gonna play around and and, and really have fun. Yeah. We should invite Jim Cook over for a show. Mm-hmm. Well, he'd talk a lot, wouldn't he? <laughs> <laughs> you hear that, Jim? <laughs> Come on over. All right. Do we uh, want to go into the next beer? Yeah, let's do it. Next beer is the George Washington Porter, which celebrates the Patriots' favorite type of beer. The Patriots? Boo! <laughs> I think the Patriots referring to George Washington himself. Oh, okay. Mm, it's, it uh, smells um, a little roasty. And, uh, it smells very, very roasty to me. Yeah. Considerably roasty. Washington felt so strongly that there should be an American porter that he adopted and encouraged a policy of buying only American brewed beer rather than imported British beer. That is... Again, it's. I think they might have um, smoked the grains a little bit in this one. Now I'm looking at this and I see, I see something... Uh, Oh, okay. <laughs> Brewed with licorice yeah. and proprietary hand-smoked malt. Almost a pound of East Kent Golding's hops per barrel. Our George Washington Porter has a deep black walnut color and a toasted malt taste with notes of molasses, toffee, cocoa, and dates. More dates. Licorice, huh? I'm not a big licorice fan, but I'll see how this works. Oh, yeah, the licorice definitely comes out in the flavor. Yeah, it's really strong. Um, you know, I'm, I'm getting more um, kind of a really, uh, really sort of charred malt flavor than I am yeah. licorice. I'm getting, well, I got to taste a ton of licorice. And then the, that was the early taste. Then the mid to late taste was um, that charred um, coffee bean type mm-hmm. flavor. Or is that dry coffee bean type uh, flavor on your tongue? Very uh, tannic, I guess. Tannic, a little astringent. Yeah. Yeah, more astringent than tannic. What do I mean by more astringent than tannic? It's, um... Hmm. It's not whiny as much as it's yeah, kind of yeah, tannic acidic. Is, tannic you get from the, the husks of the thing, so it tastes a little grainy. Yeah. And it's not grainy, it's just the acidic you get from the... The second taste... Almost tastes to me like cold coffee. I mean, there's just I'm getting so yeah. much coffee aroma now. Yeah, the there's a, that's a good point. It, it's a it's a cold dark coffee uh, with carbonation. Yeah, the first time I really tasted liquor. Second taste, it was just straight coffee. Now, dark molasses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, flavor. now I I got that just now. You know, yeah, thirty forty seconds after the taste, I got a really dark molasses rolling across like the back of my mouth. They say toffee, but I'm not really getting toffee here. I just burp some ginger. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I think this is just a, a one beer. Yeah. Try it. Not not a big drinker, but this but beer, unique. This beer, more than any other so far, I could really see going with some food. Yeah, um, pancakes. <laughs> <laughs> they uh, recommend barbecued chicken, hot Cajun spices, and blackened fish. Uh, blackened fish. Do you think the char on there would? Compliment the char in here? Absolutely. Like, I guess yeah, so, char yeah. compliments char. Sure. 
I wonder how this would taste with uh, like some kind of like espresso mousse or something like that. Something with coffee flavor in it. You know, this is this is another beer that would really probably go well with dessert. Mm-hmm. Um, a chocolate cake. I bet this would go really well with. Uh, some final news here. Sierra Nevada harnesses beer power to reduce its energy costs. Oh yeah, that was an interesting story. I was uh, I wasn't expecting them to get energy that way. In the um, their water treatment, they're large enough brewery that they have to treat their water. There's a thing in water called the um, biotic oxygen content. I think is what it's called, BOC. Right. And it can't be too high for you to put it into the sewer system. So you have to you have to treat it to get it, to take out that BOC out. And in that process, it creates some methane apparently. Which they're feeding back into uh, fuel cells. Fuel cells. And they're using that to power the brewery. The system is now capable of producing 250 to 400 kilowatts of electricity. And it reduces the company's fuel costs by 25 to 40%. That, uh, that 40%? Them, wow. That will help them buy hops this year. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and also, Miller, loses, uh, Miller sales lose ground to craft beers and imports, so hooray. Miller's like the you know the one big brewery that until until this week hasn't put out any kind of craft wannabes. Yeah, and uh, now they got the the chocolate lager. Uh, Darren, who wrote us about the um, about uh, the AB strong arming or, or the strong arming from other companies, also had a had another email he sent us. He was, he went backwards from show fifteen during the long geeky explanation of skunking beer, which he liked. He said. Uh, I said that it takes sunlight to make that smell. So we started wondering if you kept the skunk in total darkness, would be able to emit that <laughs> terrible smell? I, I assume this is half jokey, um, but it, I'd figured I'd answer it anyway. From what I've been able to find, I did look this up. <laughs> you researched it. Just, just you know, for, for the heck of it. Uh, skunk spray is composed mainly of the low molecular weight thiol compounds, namely E2-butane-1-thiol, 3-methyl-1-butanethyl, and e 2-butanol-thiolactate, uh, which is not 3-methyl-but-2-ethanol-thiol, which is prelomber-cathin. Uh, and the thing is, the prelomber-cathin is created due to photelic reaction, yes. It, it's when uh, light hits that uh, carbon lattice and shoots off the, uh, mercaf- the, shoots off the isoprenyl radical, which will combine with sulfur, in the beer. But the origin of skunk spray is it's a biological reaction. It takes place inside... The skunk, in their glands, the skunk has the most developed anal scent glands of the gland-heavy Mustalidae family. Now, <laughs> mm, anal glands. What what I imagine is that if you keep a skunk away from foods that contain sulfur, then they won't be able to produce the the spray anymore. Um, how you can do that, I don't know. Sulfur's in a lot of stuff, but. Right. A skunk can't make, you know, cannot perform fusion or fission, so it can't make sulfur out of nothing. Right, so that's the intake. Yeah. So if you were able to somehow keep sulfur away from a skunk, you'd be able to remove it, but light doesn't have that effect. Right. (laughs) Thank you, Greg. You're welcome. (laughs) Thomas wrote in, FYI, guys, Kosh glass is not the same as a Pilsner glass. Uh, I looked this up. They were the Stranges. Uh, Did you see a picture of a strange at all? They're uh, about four inches, five inches tall. Really small little, like a big shot glass. Yeah. Like a triple high shot glass. And um, we kind of realized that they weren't the same. We didn't know exactly what a strange looked like at the time. But still a tall, fluted, pilsner-type glass. 
It's better than a pint glass for, for drinking that kind of beer. So we used the best we had. <laughs> Even though my Lindemann's from Bose glasses are probably a little more strange shaped. Oh, ben writes in to, to knee me a little bit about the anglicized pronunciation thing I had before. It says, isn't American as victim sort of an idea like the rest of the world doesn't care about our pronunciation, so why should we care about theirs? That's just silly. Time to start calling... Is it time to start calling them saws hops? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, I admit that my idea behind the whole anglicized pronunciation thing, it, it, it doesn't work in every case, and it's not something I support every time. I just feel that in certain cases, we do overdo it. But maybe in terms of beer, we should probably keep it as well as possible. It's just when, when people, when somebody, you know, you know where you, you notice that most is thinking on like news broadcasts when somebody says, "Thank you, Tina. My name is Ana Lucia Cortez." Okay. <laughs> they just sort of overdo. Right. She their, speaks a normal English accent. Yeah. Until she says her name, and then right. it's all Latino. And yeah. Gotcha. Or, or even even better is not when she does it, but when other people do it. Like tonight's top story, there is a, a fire over there. Ana Lucia Cortez has the story for you, <laughs> and I'm using the name from um, from Lost, which uh, Ben also asks, "How does Greg know so much about interrogation, creepy?" Which, if you know our pre and post shows, you'll know why. We should also mention that you know I don't think we, we have mentioned that for a while. We we talk about it a little bit, but we okay. do have a main we do have a main show which is about beer. This show is about beer. And your emails and, and news and stuff like that. But we also do a pre and a post show where it's just sort of us talking about other stuff. And there's a beer that we drink, but it's normally in the background. And we talk about other stuff. And especially when it's on, we talk about Lost a lot. So if you like our, you know, our, if we have like minded people, you might enjoy the shows. Yeah. Or if you just want to learn about, more about Greg and I's personalities, tune into the pre show and the post show. <laughs> there's another feed. You can find the link on the website. Or search for, I think it's called the Extras Feed in iTunes. Okay. Oh, back onto the George Washington Porter. So, George Washington, Washington loved American style porters with licorice. Really big, hoppy porters. We use traditional English hops, but obviously dramatically different levels. The porter weighs in the high 30s, 35s, or 40 IBUs. It's not overly hoppy because it has the smoke, molasses, and licorice to hide behind. Let's see, let's do, uh, we only got a couple emails left, let's pound through them here. Robert from Ohio writes, in regards to uh, me thinking that there was typos on the GABF winners, I do not believe there were typos. I just went to the GABF and found that they don't give a gold medal to the best beer in a given category, just perfect examples of that style. So if the judges didn't think any beer represented the style well enough, they wouldn't give out a gold. I was a little surprised, but it made sense to me the more I thought about it. We we try to stick to the style guidelines when we can when we do a style show and we say which which is closest to the style for us. But if nothing exactly exemplifies a style, it doesn't mean it's necessarily bad. Although I guess if you're judging it on the lines of, say, a dog show, then you want something that exactly exemplifies the way you know what a breed of dog is supposed to be. So right. it's the same sort of thing. Oh yes, it's time for what beer am I? Now we got an email before we jump into the what beer am I. We got an email from David, who says, you're not sure if you ever listen to Car Talk and NPR, they have a weekly puzzler segment, which is basically a brain teaser listeners try to solve for next week's show, which happens to be a lot like our What Beer Am I? Yet, their version benefits greatly from one small difference in process. What they do is, that you don't do, is recap the question the previous week for listeners who may not have listened or remembered. They could play along as you announce the answer. Well, 
David, that's a great idea, and we're going to start doing that. Last week's clues. I am a limited edition single batch beer. I have more than a dash of dry hopped Zotz hops. I am proud to follow in my grandpappy's footsteps 25 years later. And the answer is Boulder Brewing 25th Great American Beer Fest. Is that the name of it? Yep, that's the name of the beer. <laughs> we had 11 uh, people who wrote in with the correct answer. We've got Joshua, Jamie, Chris, Darren, Ryan, Scott, Troy, Jack, Tom, Stephen, Bill. No one wrote in with the wrong answer. So congratulations <laughs> for not being a dumbass. The winner is number Two. Jamie. Jamie, you're a winner. Send I, I know who Jamie is, but you still gotta send me an email with your address to get a glass. <laughs> you get a free glass from East End Brewing Company. East End Brewing Company. Buy a good Buy friend. The beer, good the beer, beer. The beer, beer, beer. And go to East End Brewing Company this week to try the Kavas. North America's first na- Well you uh, can't go to East End Brewing Company, right? On Tuesday on Thursdays and Saturdays for growl hours you can. Really? Yeah. I didn't know that. Go to the website and find more information about Growler Hours, eastendbrewing.com. Okay. There. Scott will like that commercial. But yeah, the Kavas is on tap now with the Growlers. You can go try the Kavas that Tom Baker, Scott, Keith, Rich, and I brewed. Great. Is that for anyone? Is it, I don't think so. Is it good? I haven't tried it yet. Well, I think it, I think it's good. I think he said it's good. He said it was better than he expected. So. <laughs> Something. <laughs> This week's clues. (laughs) I am a double IPA made with rye. I am named after a comedian who died 40 years ago at 40 years of age. I am made by a brewery that was established in the year 5757. I have a brother who is made with pomegranates, another brother who is made with 10 malts, 10 hops, 10 hop additions, and is 10% alcohol by volume. If you have a guess for this week's What Beer Am I, you can send your guess to WBAI at craftbeerradio.com. We will draw one entry from the correct answers, and they will get a pint glass from East End Brewing Company. Now it's on to our last beer of the night. It's which, not a beer. It's Well, it's... it's it, it, yeah, okay. It's not a, not a beer in the, in the way we think of it. It's a root beer. Hard root beer. This is the Samuel Adams 1790. Oh, are not root beers brewed like beers? It just beer the alcohol brewed. is removed from them? Okay, beer with herbs, spices, vanilla, honey, and molasses. 5.5% alcohol by volume. Authentic recipe number four. <laughs> this last beer of the night honors the Boston Beer Company's namesake, Samuel Adams. It's a tribute to the Patriot. The final brew of the collection is a hard root beer. The type of brew Samuel Adams would have brewed and enjoyed. Named after the year when hard root beer soared in popularity with colonial drinkers, 1790. The brew features ingredients such as blackstrap molasses, sassafras root, bark, dried wintergreen, and licorice. Now, you can really smell licorice on that one. And sassafras. Yeah. Lots of sassafras. And even wintergreen. Uh, it's definitely there. Very aromatic. Yeah. It's a hard root beer. With lots of roots. Yeah, it's um, <laughs> it's better than I thought. Yeah, it, it's got it, you know, it's definitely got a, a full spectrum of flavors that you don't get in beer. It's earthy, of course, but also has you know the wintergreen kind of flaring out on it, and the licorice is there. And like I said, Jeff and I are not fans of licorice. Like we won't touch those licorice favorite Twizzlers or anything like that. So don't assume oh it's got licorice. I'm not going to try it because it's muted enough. And it's in enough of a configuration that it doesn't totally 
turn you off. Yeah, like, I'm not a big fan of Mike and Ike's. Mike and oh, Ike's are, the, are, are they the, the, the licorice one? Yeah, I think okay. so, yeah. Yeah, I think so. Or or the Mike and Ike's the fruit ones and the other ones are licorice ones? I don't good know. and Plenty? Yeah, Good and Plenty are the licorice ones. Okay. It's interesting, you don't normally taste root beer with that alcohol flavor there, too. Right. And what, what the alcohol does is it kind of smooths it out. I think when you typically have a, a carbonated root beer today, it's uh, a heavy carbonation, a very vigorous carbonation, with the underflavor, a lot of wintergreen in, in traditional root beers. And that's kind of the primary flavors you're going to get. And here you kind of you have a couple extra ones, a little bit of extra licorice, I think. Uh, I think there might be some honey used in this because I can definitely taste it. And the alcohol does tend to smooth it a bit. So like normal root beer, root beer everyone tastes, you know, um, Mike and or A&W or whatever. Yeah. What is that predominant flavor there? That's not... That's wintergreen. Is that wintergreen? Mm-hmm. Really? Okay. I think sassafras is there too, but it, it's uh, primarily I've never, you know, I've never tasted sassafras like this except for, you know, like sucking on a sassafras leaf or something like that, so... I like it. Yeah, it's not bad. I'm, I'm, uh... These are going to be hard to rank because none of them are necessarily something where I'd be like, hmm. <laughs> I really don't know if I can rank these because they're all kind of similar to me in terms of uh, how I enjoyed them and how I look at them. <laughs> I mean, really, they're, they're, none of these are beers that, that I want to have all the time. None of these are beers that I consider wow beers, but they are beers that I'm glad I tried. Right? They are beers that you know I'm I was excited to try out, and I'm really glad I tried, and I'm glad that they were brewed. And I didn't think they're all good. Yeah, to try, none of them are you know all day drinkers. That's for sure. I think I'm gonna say that I like the George Washington the best. Okay. A lot of that coffee chocolate. After that first sip, when like the licorice punched me in the face, uh-huh. once that kind of muted itself, I really enjoyed it. I'm going to put the uh, root beer number sec too, because I really like the sassafras flavor in that, and it's just different. Mm-hmm. I really like that. The other two, I'm not sure which one I like better. The other two were the James Madison, that dark wheat, which had that interesting smoked flavor, and then the uh, traditional ginger honey. You know what? I'm going to put the James Madison third and the honey fourth. Well, I'm going to, um, in order so we have something on the website, because I'm, I'm not going to rank these. Okay. I, I don't feel, I mean, I know I, I you said I don't want to rank before, and I scolded mm, you. Right. <laughs> but I um, I just have, I have such a hard time feeling that, that I can rank these in any legitimate way. Right. So Actually, you should try, you should get a four-pack and drink yeah. them. Yeah. So what I want to do is I want to let... Your random thing, do the talking for oh, me. Oh, okay. So we have one, two, three, and four. So do a random of four. Greg's so favorite is number, number three. three. Is the root beer. <laughs> okay, so do a random of three. Number two. two. The uh, dark weed is number two. Number one. Number one is the ginger honey. And I guess the porter is last. And George Washington is last just because of <laughs> And just because fate, that, that's chance. the way the random number generator decided to work it. All right. That's all for Craft Beer Radio. Next week, not really sure what we'll be doing. Well, but did you have like IPAs or something? Or? Yeah, we can do some IPAs. Doing some IPA. IPAs next week on CBR.
That's all for Craft Beer Radio. You can send us feedback to beer at craftbeerradio.com and feel free to send us an audio comment in MP3. The opening and closing music was Out of Towners from the band St. Dragon and was found on the Podsafe Music Network, music.podshow.com. Craft Beer Radio is released under the Creative Commons license. Check out craftbeerradio.com for more information. Find a place in the people